Pleasure to introduce you to our third guest of the Bucket Drop Podcast, a guy who played four years of professional hockey on four different teams, accumulating 552 penalty minutes in 113 games. He played in the FHL and the SPHL. All the while, he also showed he could play with 17 tucks and 27 apples. Missing his two front teeth and rocking a mullet for the ages, this guy was listed at six foot three and 215 pounds. And boy, could he chuck them. Not only did he win a championship with the nicest jersey in the FHL, he won a second one with the Port Huron Prowlers to finish off his hockey career on a high. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, the Bob Probert of the FHL, Julian Fraser. How's it going? <laughs> Not too bad. How are you? Appreciate the nice compliments there. Yeah. Well, I, anyways, I, I remember watching some YouTube videos, and uh, yeah, you sort of reminded me of him. Just uh, looked like uh, you really enjoyed going at him. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely uh, a tough guy for the ages. A lot of us young guys growing up definitely, you know, wanted to mirror the way he played because he was so tough, but at the same time, he was a skilled player. And uh, I think that's what you see right now in the NHL a lot. You see guys, uh, you know, the fighters, there's not so much the fighter role, but there's the role where, you know, the fighters are just getting better skill-wise. So uh, I found out today... uh that you're an Alberta boy. If you can just give us a bit of background, because I, I, I first heard of you from the FHL and videos, obviously, but uh, where are you from and where did you play your minor hockey? Well, I grew up in uh, the northeast Calgary, Alberta, in the city of Calgary. Um, the Forest Lawn area is definitely a little tougher area in the city. People who who live here, grow up here, you know, at the northeast, is, you know, that Forest Lawn southeast area right on the border of the northeast. It's a Pretty tough area to grow up in, and uh, I have good family, good good friends surrounding me to uh, keep me out of trouble, per se, because we love hockey. I don't know. I mean, could have went either way, right? And, you know, I think you see that a lot with the with the tougher guys. They usually grow up in a, you know, a tougher area, or uh, they either grow up in the, in the bush, in the farm, or whatever, right? But I grew up in the Northeast, um, and, uh, yeah, I just grew up, went played minor hockey at uh, seven clubs, then ended up moving up to the North Stars organization, playing quadrant hockey, and basically played junior B most of my career, except for my last year, I had a little stint in the AJ before heading to Peace River uh, up north to finish out my 20-year-old year, and then, yeah, I pretty much ended up walking, just, you know, going to a rookie camp or whatever uh, in Huntsville, and you know, the rest was kind of history. I ended up bouncing around and then going to the Federal League, bouncing around there, like, well, pretty much stayed in Danbury and then, you know, played three years there and then ended up going and playing in Port Huron my last year, so. Like, when I look at your hockey DB, it says that you were listed as a defense. Is that what you played uh, as well when you were playing minor hockey? Uh, I was actually a forward. I played a lot of forward, but just growing up over the years, you, know, you learn that you got to be versatile. you got to adapt. Uh, much like you see in the game today, a lot of guys got to adapt. I mean, you know, you're eradicating, trying to eradicate the fighter role. Uh, you got to adapt to your surroundings, right? So That's I right. just, I would play both positions. I mean, you look at a lot of tough guys in the game nowadays. They can play their versatile. They can play both positions, forward, defense, wherever the team needs them. And that's that's how you got to be. I mean, I went in to play pro as a forward. They, we need a D-man. I play D for Esposito for probably three years, uh, uh, but I was definitely more effective forward. Um, it's just like the positioning, there was a lack of defensemen. So yeah. I, I, that's, I played most of my career as a D-man. And then in Port Huron, uh, obviously, 
Kraz had a pretty stacked uh, forward lineup. So, I mean, he brought me in as a D-man and wanted me to play D. So You said that, obviously, you went to the pro route uh, through the FHL. How did Danbury come about? Were you scouted through the AJHL? Or? Well, I, had a, I went to Huntsville that year, and they made it. I think there was 25 free agents. Uh, it was like the free agent camp, you know. So I went down there, and then there was like 25 guys. And I was like asking guys where they played. They all played CIS, the Western League. Uh, you know, a lot of them played high level hockey. And I was literally yeah. my last year. I played junior B. I was like, oh wow, like here we go. But you know, that summer I trained pretty hard, so you know, I had confidence right in, in to where where I was going. And I, I had a shitty job. I was like, I'm not going back. I'm not going. Yeah. I promised myself I'm not going back. I'm staying here. I'm staying in the states. Whatever it takes, I'm, I'm gonna stay. So I uh, yeah, I ended up. Making it past that, I was like three guys they picked out of that camp, and I was like, I was surprised they kept me around. They kept me around for main camp, and then I uh, went to main camp, and uh, that was the year of the lockout, and they just had no room for me to draw. They ended up getting ten guys right in mid midway yeah, through camp from the from the coast, and I was just kind of the odd man out. And so uh, Glenn DeTulio uh, sent me to uh, to Danbury. Said there's an option here, or other options in the federal league. And then, uh, you know, uh, Gooch, Espo's assistant, little sidekick there, gave me a ring, and he said, well, Espo wants to come see you in Danbury. And uh, so I reported there, and, yeah, that's that's how it went. So it was it was close. I mean, it was a disaster at the start. I forgot my skates in Huntsville. I It was just a mess. Like, I got to camp in Danbury, didn't practice. I was supposed to practice with the team because there was an exhibition game on Sunday. Didn't even practice. Like I was, I was surprised they ended up sticking around, but it was all, all happens for a reason, right? And they ended up making it, and the rest is history. So. And uh, yeah, no, for sure, because with the lockout, everybody was uh, coming down. Uh, like I mean, the AHL was basically the NHL, and so on. How was it playing in Danbury? That building, I'm sure, was rocking on the, on game night. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's a hockey town, but you got to understand the history of that hockey town and, uh, you know, where it originated. I mean, they had that U-Haul team with, uh, I don't know exactly his name, but he was, uh, he was a gangster. And, uh, yeah, they wanted, they, they liked the blood. Danbury just loved the blood, right? So they, yeah. they wanted those toughest of the toughest to play in that barn. And uh, it, was, it was a place to play, let me tell you. When they had that place packed, it was the funnest it was fun to put on a show there, you know, every night and to to play there. It was, it was an awesome crowd. Uh, the ownership, they lacked a lot of things. Yeah. It was a bit of money grab for them. I don't know. Like they were definitely uh, a little bit chintzy, right? But now the way the federal league, I don't know. I haven't played in a few years, but it seems like it's coming around. It's getting more developed, you know, okay. the players are definitely more taken care of than we were when we played in that place. Yeah, I mean, if a lot of us weren't, you know, didn't know how to hustle, I mean, it would have been hurting, you know what I mean? <laughs> so the, the the envelope of cash was uh, a little uh, low sometimes, I'm, I'm guessing. A little low, yeah, but that's yeah. okay. I mean, we were, you know, we worked around that. I mean, Definitely. You, you had the charisma we did, like a lot of the yeah. guys our team did. We, you learn how to make money elsewhere, and uh, well, that's what we had to do, right? You just, you know, we had good fans, and they took care of us, and, you know, if we didn't have good fans, I mean, it would have been tough to play there, right? Yeah, I uh, I really wanted to play for that team, and like uh, this might sound childish, but it was uh, also because of the jersey. I just thought that was a, a really cool jersey. So I actually went to training camp for Danbury one year. 
And uh, anyways, I uh, uh, I didn't make the cut, but I did get into uh, two scraps in the first scrimmage. Anyways, that was a uh, kind of an experience. But uh, did you scrap uh, when when you were trying out? Oh yeah, like okay. So uh, go back to that story there. I was telling you where I forgot my skates, but uh, so. I forgot my skates, so I didn't skate Friday, Saturday. We played exhibition games Sunday. This was kind of my only only shot to make the squad. Uh, but Espo was like, listen, I'm not going to play a phrase. Don't worry. I want to let you skate and get ready, da-da-da, whatever, right? But the, I had a funny feeling. So those days they were skating, I was training off the ice. I made sure I was prepared so that if Sunday came around, I had to play. I was okay. ready. Like You know what I mean? The wind was fresh. I was ready to go. Uh, so that game came around. And, yeah, sure, shit, I was in the lineup. And he told me last minute because my skates came in on time like that just for that game. So I'm, like, stressed out a bit. Like, all of a sudden I'm playing. He told me I wasn't playing. Like, a bit of a mind fuck. But you got to learn to adapt. And that's what yeah. I did. And I went, I went in there and... I think first, second whistle, or first, second shift, I went in there and shed the mitts instantly. I knew what I had to do. I think I, in warm-ups, I was skating around. I come off the ice, and there's a little kid there. Uh, and we were playing in, I want to say, West, East Haven or something like that, little town, and uh, just by Danbury. And uh, this kid comes up to me. He goes, hey, mister, you better fight. That's what he told me. So I took his advice that day, and I, fought, and I ended up fighting twice that game. And, uh Yeah. It was the rest was kind of history. We ended up, you know, ended up staying around after that. Espo, that's Espo's type of hockey. He was a fighter. He liked that shit. He loved, yeah. you know, he he if he could have a whole team full of goons, he would. Like that's the kind of roster he wanted. He just loved the tough guys because I think he had a soft spot for him because he was a tough guy at one point in his career. So, and uh, yeah. how'd you how'd you make out in those ones? Not bad. I was a little rusty, right? Like. I was a rookie. I never. I, I had fought a few times in junior, but I mean, when you get to the pro level, you're fighting men. It's a little bit different. Uh, you know, they're more carry more muscle mass. They're bigger, stronger, faster guys. Uh, you know, so as you progress, you learn. As you fight, you learn. You learn different guys, different you know techniques, and you know how how they fight. And you got to kind of learn to adapt around around them. And uh, yeah, I I mean. Like I said, there's a lot of video, a lot of watching myself fight, a lot of being in fights. The more fights you're in, the better you get at them. I mean, it's like anything, right? So with experience, come you start to become more poised in fights after. I mean, if you look at fights at the beginning of my career when I was at Denver and then kind of near the end, it's, you know, you see a little more poised. <laughs> but it's a fight at the end of the day. It's 50 yeah. 50, man. Like, you're going in, you're dropping the gloves. It's one lucky punch either way. You For don't sure. know, Ray. It's anybody can win on any given day. It doesn't matter yeah. who you are. It doesn't matter the odds, right? At the end of the day, it comes to heart, and whoever has the most heart that day wins, right? So. For sure. I know all uh, too well about that. I've uh, taken my, my few knocks and bruises uh, along the way. Um, so uh, one thing I wanted to ask is uh, one guy you played with was Anthony Pisano, and you guys were uh, – you guys kind of just reminded me of the, the Bash brothers in the – in Mighty Ducks, so uh, how, how was it riding with him? Like, uh, not saying anybody was shotgun. Well, to be with Pisano, my first rookie year, that was like, it was, it was, uh, it was awesome. I mean, Pisano's arguably one, probably one of the toughest guys to ever play in the federal league, if not the toughest. Uh, he was, he's a badass. And so, you know, my first year coming in as a rookie, and then having this big six foot six, two hundred sixty five pound 
fucking gorilla on my squad and backing me up. It gave me a lot of free reign, you know. You know, and I know I remember he ended up getting hurt or later that year, and I was kind of like, oh fuck, here we go. I gotta step up and fight a lot of these guys that he was been taking care of, you know. So I grew through yeah. that, but I had the channel there kind of helping me out and guiding me through all of it. So it definitely helped watching him at the beginning of the year do his thing, and then. You know, me kind of going in there, and then when he came back, it just went back like, you know, like a zephyr, just perfect. Everything everything went back in order, and we ended up winning that year. That's what happened. But, uh, yeah, he was just – he's just, he was a pretty good mentor. Uh, I mean, he had played uh, – he went to a lot of NHL camps. He went NHL camps there, Edmonton, Washington. So he had the experience. I mean, that 2012-2013 team had experience. He had a lot of guys there that have been there, you know, played at the next level. So – I mean, yeah, it was a blast to play with him. It was so fun. Um, yeah, it was. He's just tough, toughest nails, and he was always ready for war. Pretty crazy. Get the boys amped. You know, it was always fun. There wasn't many guys tougher than us when he was around on our squad. You know, well, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say that. Like when you guys came into uh, other barns, like, uh, is there any funny stories of like just teams being like extremely intimidated by you guys? Oh yeah, we'd be hooting and hollering in warm ups and you could just see the fear in the other the opponent's eye, right? You know, and the boys are playing rock, paper, scissors at the red line who they're gonna fight that night and yeah, it was good. <laughs> I mean, it was it was good stuff. I mean it it gave me more free reign to do what I wanted. You know, I could play chippy, I could play a little more ratty, you can call it, when Fasano was backing me up. Because I would run around and take advantage of the mental aspect of the game where I could get more in the opponent's head. They would take stupid penalties on me. We would get power plays. And then at the end of the day, Fasano would come and settle it all up. Like, you know what I mean? He would, whatever. Their toughest guy would come out, come after me. He would take a penalty on me, go to the box. He would get out, fight Fasano. Like, that's how it went. And it was just like we would completely, like, we would take advantage on the scoreboard, take advantage mentally, and that's I think what was the ultimate destruction that year. We just picked teams apart like that, where we just it was like we'll whoop you on the scoreboard, we'll whoop you in the box, you know what I mean? We'll like in fights, we'll humiliate you like that, you know that Philadelphia Flyers type style hockey. Yeah, for sure. And that that actually kind of reminds me of a, a bit of a throwback when uh, Detroit had uh, you know a culture and uh, Probert where. You know, like they they would decide that night who was fighting who, and uh, you know you you could at least uh, split the workload, I guess. Yeah, totally. It was totally like that. I mean, you know, when you're playing that role, it's tough sometimes. I mean, your guy gets wounded one night. You're, I mean, when you're in that role, you're a businessman. Like that's how I see it. Because you got to go do business and handle business. What do you get? Boys sit at the red line, handle business, talk like men. You know, definitely. You don't you know. Unless you're a rat, then the weasels, you know the weasels are coming to town. You just want to hurt them, right? You don't really care. But when you're a fighter, you've got that mutual respect. You're, fight, you're, you're talking with other fighters. You know, you know you're going to go to change the momentum of the game in that night or whatever. you got to, you know, try and, you know, do things that's going to help save your body. You know, you can't just go in there. You know, if you go in there throwing hands crazy, you're not going to survive very long. you got to kind of, you know, the game has to play on. But, you know... I mean, I know not some games I was a hurting unit. I was hurting from the game before or whatever, and I would be like, man, man let's play tonight. Can we play hockey tonight? You know what? Buddy would yeah. agree. We'd be good. You know, we'd go play hockey. 
But, I mean, freak things that happen where someone gets dummy from behind, there's no talking about it. You know what I mean? For sure. You know, that's something you just happens, right? But you would try and kind of, like, be, uh, you know, talk some sense into some guys, especially when you had a big guy like Anthony Fasano, you know, by your back, you're like, listen, you don't want to let the, you don't want to let the grill out of the cage, buddy. Like, you want to, you're going to fuck with me. Like, I'm half your worries and I'm crazy enough. Like, people were like, this guy's tapped in the head. I remember like lining up with guys being, they'd be like, man, are you going to jump me? And I'd be like, man, I'm just here to play hockey. Like, can we just play? Like, what are you worried yeah. about? But that's the way, like, that's, that's the kind of, you know, fear you put in guys' eyes sometimes, especially when you're having an intimidating squad like that. But I know a lot of guys weren't. There were some guys that just went back. To, I mean, you got your Affinatis, and these guys are tough as nails too. I mean, they're your Affies, and you know, your their Tiffany was a pretty tough guy when I played, and there's a few other guys that were pretty tough that you know. No, for were, sure. I, you know, I actually, uh, I actually played a game with uh, with Affinati, and uh, no, I saw how tough he was. I uh, I was actually called on by uh, Chase Tiffin. I just flat out said no, and uh, he asked me uh, on the bench. He said, "Oh well, like you're not going to scrap tonight." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I was like, I'm not a heavyweight, right?" And uh, I remember him saying, "Just like, hey, you know what? As long as you show up." And uh, I ended up fighting someone else. I ended up fighting uh, Jeff Bill, which uh, you might know. Yeah, he's a weasel. I I don't know how many times I pumped that guy's head in. I don't know. How many times <laughs> I'm surprised that guy still got a head on his like shoulder. Like, but he's a good. He was. I met him a few times off the ice. Not a yeah. bad guy. He's still weasel looking off the ice, but he he wore like I you I don't know. You look at some videos online. He got tuned up a few times. I remember Anthony Pisano. I thought he took his head cleaner off in Watertown one time. But yeah, he he was a bit of a gangly bugger. But yeah, I wasn't a big fan of him. Man. You know, every night I was okay. really funny. I, I would, he wasn't a bad guy, but he just the way he played the game pissed me off. So. Yeah, no, well, I ended up fighting him, but anyways, to get back is just, uh, yeah, I remember Chris Affinati ended up fighting Chase Tiffin twice in that same game, and uh, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but the size difference was gigantic, right? So anyways, I might have answered my, my next question, but uh, who would you say your uh, main rival was in the FHL? I wouldn't say he was my greatest, biggest rival. I think, like, there's a couple other tough guys. Gordo, me and Gordo had a couple good bouts. I like fighting Gordo. He was a pretty good like Gordon. I had some good goals with Joe Pace, and Pacer is a beauty. I play, ended up playing for him after, but he was a beautician. Like that guy's, we we had some good goals. I, I like fighting him, even though he, he was a smaller guy. But you know, I just square up and open up, and we just sit there and exchange, and they'd be yeah. It's in those are the boats that like you sit there, you exchange a couple of good hands, and then that's. You call it a day, it was good. Nobody got too seriously hurt, and we had some laughs, you know, and then I ended up Definitely. going and playing for them later on. In all your years in the FHL, uh, what what is your fondest memory? I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, that league was insane when I played. Four years of insanity. Like, every year was nuts. I can't really, like, tell you what was my fondest memory because there's just so many. And if, if I told you them all, you wouldn't believe me. That's, like, that's how crazy some of these stories were. And, and like, I can only imagine what it's like at the next level to win because it's just and, – and to play at the next level, it's probably just, like, on steroids compared yeah. to what, how we lived. But, I mean, I remember having, like – people come to our house and they're like, you guys live like rappers. Like, you know what I mean? We're like, yeah. hey, what are you guys doing? Like, this is what we do. We just, you know, hang out and play hockey. <laughs> you know? 
clouds of smoke flying out of our rooms and stuff. But yeah, it was good. I mean, uh, we we had fun. Uh, it was. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of crazy things that happened. I mean, I fought a guy in warm-ups once. That was then they made the Julian Fraser rule. I think on ice that was pretty crazy. There was yeah one time a fan grabbed my stick. I speared him in the chest. Uh, oh, it was yeah. chaos. It was nuts. Like this is yeah. like things you can't make up. I'm telling you, like uh, there was a lot of crazy scenarios, brawls. You know. Getting escorted off, coming coming right back on. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was just it was fun. It was all fun in that league. Let me tell you, they should have named it the real name of that league, the Fun Hockey League. It's not the yeah. league, it's the Fun Hockey League. You have a lot of fun. You don't get paid a whole lot, but you'll have a lot of fun. Let me tell you. No, that's the thing. It's life experiences, and like I'm sure that that first championship was pretty special. Well, yeah, I mean. The thing is, the year before, so I wanted to play junior B as a 21-year-old. I had so much fun. I was playing for uh, Darcy Hogan, the late Darcy Hogan, who's actually coach of the Humble Broncos in that bus crash there. But So I was playing for, for him up in Peace River, and I wanted to come back as a 21-year-old. And that summer I called him, and I'm like, hey, man, like, you going to bring me back? Or he ended up releasing me and nothing bad to Darcy. Darcy taught me how to win again, and Darcy was probably one of the best coaches I've ever played for, and he was an amazing guy. And he helped me kind of get refocused. He couldn't get me, keep me that next year, but, you know, it gave me a drive to go and chase it, chase something, go play at the pro level, and, you know, be better. And so, you know, I ended up winning, going, my goal that year was to win the cup, and we, we went, I went to Danbury, and that's what happened, we won the cup, and, uh, you know, but that was my mindset coming in, I wanted to win a trophy, I wanted to hoist something over my head, right, so that's, for sure. you know, that was the goal right from the get-go, so, and it, and it happened, you know, so, if you, you see it, you work hard, you'll achieve it, right, it's just and, mind over matter, right. So. And did you guys win that at home as well? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We ended up winning that at home. I was actually, it was between me and Tassano, and I ended up getting scratched that game. And uh, he, yeah, he ended up getting the game winner that game, right? So, yeah, and we won the championship. And, yeah, it was uh, was an experience of a lifetime for sure, like to win that first year, to kind of bust that bubble, get that idea. But, yeah, I don't know. I think my last year, though, was, my last year winning was the best feeling probably ever, I would say. Uh, my first one was good. It was good to get it under my belt, but the last yeah. one was the best. It was like the it was the cherry on the top kind of deal, and, and to leave after that, it was like perfect ending, you know. And a lot of guys after that year in the league, I think, hung them up. There was a few good players that ended up calling it, you know, calling it a, a career, and there was a lot of talent in that pool. I know. I know. Labs after he won the cup, Labs went and played in the American League, like from the Federal League to the American League, and wow. he just we, we showed him how to fall in love with the game again. Like that's what Port Huron was about. We were both yeah. like that was a fun team to play on. Like we, it was like it was funner than playing for Phil Esposito because you're not walking on needles, pins and needles all the time. Like. You know, we couldn't have any fun. You know, we could have fun every once in a while, but you know. He was so against everything, Esposito, very military, right? So when we ended up playing for Pacer and Kras, the rules lightened up. These guys are both players, right? They both played. They they go out. I mean, 
we partied pretty hard on that squad. We had a lot of fun. It was a good group of guys, you know. Just to tell you, we went at the beginning of the season. We went, we went zero and three. Okay, we went zero and three, and before we went zero and three, I literally was interviewed and they by Port Huron News or whatever, and I said, "Listen, we're going to win the cup here, this and that. Like, this is what's going to happen." And then we went zero and three, and I was like, "Oh fuck! Like, <laughs> fuck! Are you serious?" But that Monday or two Monday or Tuesday, we come to practice and Kraz is fucking we're bag skating for an hour straight. We bag skate for an hour straight. It was crazy. We were like gassed. Or anyways, we come in the room. Kraz says, "Boys, learn from it." All right, everybody to the bar. Let's go and have some team builders. So that night, we went out, had a team builder. We all partied together, had a good time. Then next thing you know, you know, that just it changed it changed the momentum, you know, to start off 0-3. And, and then, uh, like, the whole town hated us. Right as a get, like, not hate us, but, you know, when you start off 0-3 as an expansion team, it's never good. Never not a good, good. Club, yeah. People don't want to come watch a team that just went 0-3. Like, they're just not about it. They're like, oh, another shitty losing team in Fort Huron, Michigan. You know, standard, you know. No one's going yeah. to watch that. We're going to be 12 all. 12 nothing every game. Like, who wants to come see that shit, you know? Like, but, yeah, we ended up coming back, winning it. I'm pretty sure the barn was near boot sold out at the end of that, that game when we won championship. Well, I don't know about sold out, but it was pretty, it was pretty back barred. I mean, but we had a talented team. I mean, we had very skilled hockey clubs. You know, we had Ahmed Mafus. We had, you know, a lot of, a lot of solid core players with labs. We had McWinney. We had, like, our, our goaltending. Everybody was amazing. Right from the the ground up, you know. Yeah, we had a very good hockey club. Yeah, it was it was almost awesome because it was awesome because uh, you know I rivaled a lot of these guys when I was in Danbury. A lot of these guys I played with, you know, I played with in Port Huron. You know, we were like the bad boys that year. Like fucking everybody hated us. We were just we had probably the most hated team. We had Ahmed Mafuz. Every time he came into Danbury, it was the greatest feeling in my life. Like I loved it. Because they hated him so much. And then with me back against them and with everybody else who was there who always were rivals against Danbury, it was just awesome. And, you know, I didn't leave Danbury on the best terms with Espo. And so there was a lot of bickering in between games between me and Espo. And I, I think the first start of the year, we, we bullied them. So when it came to playoffs, they were stacked up on heavyweights and – you can't win a you can't win a cup with heavyweights. You just can't. Like you need no, skill. No, sure. you need some our skill. skill well. Our skill took over, and yeah, the rest was history. We hoisted a cup. I mean, the same guys who interviewed me in the finals in Danbury were interviewing me the last the last game in in Danbury, <laughs> telling me how it felt to go two and zero in Danbury after they had put up all those news, all those posts. Oh, we're gonna sweep you and this and that. Well. It ended up reversing on them, and we swept them. So yeah, it was. It's good. It's good. That's that's hockey, right? Like well, I that's said, what you want. Like I'm sure when you want you want to play well against your old team too, right? On paper, they were a good hockey club, but they had a weak back end. We we they were weak on the back end, and we came and they we were just too fast. We had a lot. With Justin Alonzo, he amazing centerman with you know like Labs and Foose, and we had Jared Hicks, and like these guys. Like, Kixie's un- unreal. All these guys are very good hockey players. I mean, I could keep going on with Skinner, Dustin Skinner. Like, these guys are 
they're federal league legends. They've been in the league around for, you know, four or five years. If not, some of them are still around. Like, and yeah. Mafuz, yeah, he's got the record, right, for the, the most goals. Yeah, he's just, so he's, he's good, 100 points a year. Like, you're not going to beat a player. Like, when a guy like that has a team around him like he did in Port Huron, like, you're not going to – it's tough. It's tough to win. Like, we're so – we're a close-knit team. Like, I mean, we were pretty close, pretty close boys. I mean – you know, you wouldn't have, like, those clicks. You see clicks. I've seen that a lot in the, the, the Southern Pro League where the guys are clicky. You know, everyone's kind of sticking with, they got buddy groups of friends. Where we were just, everybody hang out, everybody was hanging out with different people on different dates sometimes, you know. like, And that's the teams that I won with were teams that weren't clicky. The teams that were clicky never won, you know what I mean? You had to have that unity, and, and that's what we had in Port Huron. So speaking about that, do you keep in touch with any of the boys? Yeah, every now and then, a lot of the boys. I mean, some of them, not all of them, but, uh, you know, I talk to Pelt every now and then. He's a beauty. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I don't talk too much. I think it's been a while since I talk to you guys like food and stuff. But, I mean, every once in a while, you get a message or whatever. But, yeah, we're still playing, you know. I'm sitting at home here. Call it a retirement. So, uh, yeah. yeah, no, and it's been fun. It was a fun, but it's a tough lifestyle to live. Uh, let me let me tell you. Unless you're making like what Luke is making or whatever, and it's just tough lifestyle in general. And uh, it was just time to get out. I played four years. I mean, just the lifestyle you live. It's tough, you know. You really it's gotta tough. love the game, man. Yeah, I, you know, you're just you get wrapped up into a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. to you know play your the way it is. It's like, oh, you, you go play in a weekend, and then you go to the sponsors and drink fucking 10 pints of beer. A lot of partying around around the game. I think that's like that. I think it's been like that forever. I don't think that'll ever change. But I think at the next level, you don't it's not you don't see it as much. Or you can yeah. see it more. Who knows, right? You probably, I mean, those guys party on a whole other level. No, for sure. You rarely hear about it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So. But you do hear about it. I can look at Austin Matthews, right? You hear about it. You do hear about it. No, yeah, you it comes don't. out once in a while when you don't want yeah, to Yeah, they just keep it close-knit. It probably happens yeah. more than you think. They just yeah. keep it close-knit. It's it's yeah. just tight because, you know, they're just the publicity is on a whole other level where we, we didn't give a fuck. I know, uh, Julian, that you're, uh, you're a heavyweight, but uh, do you know how many fights you have in the FHL? I mean, not exactly, but I'm thinking it's going to be around 60s or something like that, 60, 70 fights maybe. A lot of them are like two fights do that one under the radar, you know. Yeah, that's line brawls, I don't know. You know, there's line brawl fights that go under the radar a lot. Right? So, so I, got, I, got, I, got, I got 58 here, but I mean, uh, like you said, there's, a, there's some that flew under the radar. Yeah. But do you remember your, uh, your, uh, your very first fight? Uh, you got to clear the cobwebs there, yeah, sorry, bud. Uh, let me think about that one. Uh, Matheson. And, uh, I think it was Tyler Matheson or Jeff Gill. But Matheson was a heavy. That guy's a super heavy. He was playing in the Central League. Yeah, he's playing the Central League, fighting all these tough guys. And then I ended up fighting him. I'm like, holy fuck. And we had some good... I had a lot of respect for him because he just chatted out. He was never like a rah-rah guy. He just kind of would come and deal with business, and that's how I liked it. I was like, hey, buddy, uh, give me a go change of momentum. Yeah, you bet. Let's go. Give him the respect. Give me the respect, right? Like, my team's down. His team's down. 
always give each other opportunities to change momentum, right? And that's what you kind of do as a fighter. You're going to have that mutual respect to the next guy that you're going, right? You're going to be you're fighting this guy. You guys are smashing each other. You can, you know, you can have a little bit of a mutual respect. You know what I mean? Sure. Because you're, no you're, the, you're the only guy doing that on the ice. You're settling business. You know what yeah. I mean? This guy bitches at that guy. This At the end of the day, it's just going to come down to send both heavies out and they're going to go. Because you'll never eradicate fighting out of the game. You can minimize the fights a year, this and that. You're not going to take it out of hockey no matter what. You can try and penalize people for fighting as much as you want. You won't take it out of the game. You know why? Well, it's impossible. Good luck. Good luck. The fighters are just going to have to adapt. You're just going to have to be able to fight and be better at hockey. That's all. It's the evolution of the game, right? You're going to be... These guys are getting better. They're getting faster. Everybody's getting faster and stronger. That's when I go to a game, I like to see that, you know, and I and I see how the, the crowd reacts, right? Yeah, you don't see it as much for sure. Like, I'm not disagreeing on that part of thing. But you'll never eradicate the fighting. I think you'll be fighting in the game since, like, if you're still fighting in the game, you might as well call it, you might as well stop calling it hockey. For sure, because you're changing the game. You're completely changing the game. Like, you just might as well call it, that, you ring it, ring it, I don't know. Like, that's basically what it turns into, I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah, but, not for sure. The, if you take fighting out of the game, like I said, you won't be able to. There, there's no, you just can't. I mean, the rules may change, but I mean, you're never, you'll never take it out. There's going to be always some weasel that's going to be kicking around, and you're going to have a tough guy. Like, the thing I loved about hockey, and I think it's a lot of the world played hockey, would have a lot of problems because you have to play the game with respect, right? If you walk around, you know, you got these people these days walking around, I'm better than you, this and that. They don't show any respect to anybody. You know, they, they think they're all that or whatever. And there's no penalization. They don't get, they don't ever learn the lesson. They're all, you know what I mean? There's no, you know, they're gutty. They do gutty things. And there's no penalization unless the law gets them. And that's, there's, they always get through that. You know what I'm saying? You play hockey, you, you act differently towards people, you know? Definitely. There's, there's consequences to your actions. There's consequences to your actions, and I think a lot of people these days don't live like that, right? So For sure. Especially with the, the social uh, media. Um, oh, yeah, totally. When you were in the position, guys like me, guys like Pisano, guys like Kiffin, Affinati, you can control the outcome of a hockey game, right? Like, you were able to control the outcome of a game. Like, you you were. So... You did that. You did that. That's what you did for your team. You went out there. You set the tone. You set. You set the momentum. Right. You made big plays. Brought energy. You brought energy to your team. Gave your team momentum. And when you have momentum, you can't lose. Right. And when you're on top in momentum, there's no losing. Yeah. And I still, I still, I still think that's a big mistake that the Pittsburgh Penguins made by uh, by trading Ryan Reeves. I think that could have uh, could have made a big difference in the playoffs. But, anyways, uh, moving on to other things. Um, who's the toughest guy you've ever played with? And or against? I mean, Appy was tough, right? Yeah. Kiffin, he was a pretty tough guy. I never really seen him winning any convincing wins, but except yeah. for I've I seen him didn't. He knocked out Appy once, but I mean, when you have that size reach and weight, I mean, you fight the guy like a hundred times, and the hundred time you knock him out, well, it's about yeah. time. Like, come on. But Appy's yeah. tough as nails. There's Definitely. I fought Appy once a few times actually. And he's tough as nails. So I mean, he he's tough. He's a tough guy. And yeah, I definitely want to get him on the podcast at some point. Yeah, wow. I mean, these guys are tough guys. 
like, pound for pound. Uh, I think it's pound for pound. I seen actually Afi cut open Fasano once. I seen him with a right overhand. He tagged him, and Fasano couldn't get him off him. He's leeching on him like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, but I think him or, or yeah, but I I mean Fasano's pretty tough. I I seen a fight of him uh, in the FT with uh, Blair. Oh, I forget his last name. Brandon Blair. Brandon Blair, and he's a big yeah. boy. And I, I fought Brandon Blair a few times, but I never won. He's he tough me every time. He's a tough guy. Yeah. But he he he's a big boy, and him and Pisano fought, and that was a pretty good fight to watch on on YouTube if you look that one up. Those are two yeah. big boys For going sure. at it, and then there are some other like Bar. Uh, Bar's pretty tough. He played in Louisiana for a while. Like I went and played in Louisiana for like two games. And I met a couple of these guys. Like yeah. Pisano and Bar were down there when I went down there. They're beauties. Made me feel like I was at home for sure down there. I basically went to the quick holiday and went back. Was <laughs> like maybe a shot of tea, if that, and then went back. But I like the, I like the fact that I like playing in Port Huron. When I was in Port Huron, I felt like I was at home. You know what I mean? So no, for sure. Yeah, no. Mentioning uh, Brandon Blair there a while ago, I seen him fighting at the. Was it uh, Gillies, uh, the guy that I used to play for the Islanders? I've seen him, I've seen him fight him twice in the same game. Uh, just on YouTube there, obviously. And, uh, fuck, if you're going to take on Gillies, you got to be tough. <laughs> yeah, he's well, he's in the A now, right? So if oh, he's in, okay. in the A, then if he's fighting Gillies. Wow, geez. That's, that's good for him. Good for him. So if that's um, only in the A, I mean, that's pretty big. Are you still uh, are you still lacing him up nowadays, playing pickup hockey or anything like that? Yeah, I already once in a while. I mean... Still recovering over some uh, injuries that actually happened in the federal league. Okay. Still, I mean, it's it was yeah, banged up my body pretty good. It wasn't, you know, glad I won and got out kind of deal because uh, you know, like as lifestyle and everything, it, yeah, it took a toll. So yeah, I got some injuries still I'm kind of dealing with. So I I don't I don't play too too much, but every now and then I do lace them up. I was uh, out last year on Christmas Eve and out on Brad Creek, beautiful uh, Brad Creek, Alberta, Canada, and playing some pond hockey in the mountains. Like, you know, it's like kind of on your way into the mountains, and it's a beautiful spot. Had a fire outside and, you know, little Baileys and coffee, tearing it up on the pond. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, other than that, not not too much. Play a little ball hockey. I was playing good one men's ball hockey there for a bit uh, in Calgary here. But, yeah, just the body. Body needs a break from, uh, you know, it's hard on the ligaments and head on your body, you know, in general. So just rehabbing, getting strong again, getting everything rehabbed properly, you know. And the thing is, like, a lot of people just jump back into it super quick. I mean, these things, these injuries, you got to live with the rest of your life. So, you, know, no, for sure. and, you know what I mean? You can't, you know, what, what you know, you're going to push it for a fun time and then, you know, ruin your body for the rest of your life or are you going to take the, you know, the time to acknowledge that, yeah, I'm hurt, I'm injured, i got to take the time, i got to do what i got to do to kind of get back to where I need to be and uh, to way, the way I should be operating again, you know. You've been in a lot of battles, so obviously uh, it's, uh, it's good that you're taking time to uh, recover from those injuries and stuff. So um, I guess uh, – what are you doing after your playing career? What, what, what are you up to nowadays? I'm um, working for the academy for uh, traffic right now. Um, yeah, doing some uh, working for uh, road, like doing a road marking. Okay. I run, I run a road marking crew, so we basically uh, mark in lane lines so people don't crash into each other. 
keep people on the road and doing yeah, that. Yeah, making sure so, nobody crashes, yeah. Yeah, and just keeping it pretty, pretty easy. You know, not too bad. It's, uh, it's stressful at times, but at the same time, it's, uh, you got to work hard for things. And, uh, you know, you put the work in, uh, you get results. So, yeah, just put the work in, you get some results, and, uh, yeah, just uh, up your network. Like, that's what it's all about on all spectrums, you know. You gotta have uh, your eggs in many baskets. Uh, that's just one egg and you know one basket. Where you have more planted and other other parts. And uh, you gotta. I'm um, an entrepreneur, so I like to be entrepreneurial. And uh, you know, you gotta always keep your options open, right? Because you never know what kind of opportunities are gonna come around. And uh, or even sometimes you just gotta go make your own opportunities, right? So yeah, it's been it's been fun for me. So uh, I guess we'll end it on uh, just some fun questions there, just uh, shooting off the hip. If you could design your own T-shirt, what would it say? Sunday Funday. Uh, I just like Sunday Funday. Sunday Funday, man. I don't know. It's always been a Sunday Funday. Sunday's always a fun day. If you were in a band, what type of music would you play? Uh, probably country. Yeah, I'm a big country fan. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the voice, but I'd make a lot of attempts if I was going to make a country band. Yeah, no, for sure. What role would you like to see added to your favorite, uh, your favorite sport? I would like... To add, like, I'm a mixed martial arts fan. I love mixed martial arts. I love the UFC. Yeah. I love, I love combat sports periods. I think that's just, like, my fighter mentality. Yeah. I, I would like to see partner sparring in the cage where you get the team, two guys, two guys, two on two. Yeah. Right I think that would be pretty, pretty wicked. I think people would, I think people would uh, tune into that. I think it'd be more exciting. I think because you got to work together as a team. Yeah. So your mixed martial arts would definitely have to be way very well timed, right? It would be a different. It would definitely be a different swing to things. I think it'd be entertaining, and I think that yeah, it'd be good. It'd be scary if one guy goes down though, and then it's two on one. Well, then yeah, two on one. That's what I'm saying. Like it could easily like if you're uh, you got to have two tanks, right? You have two shit brick houses, right? It's going down. It's got to be a war. <laughs> And yeah, if you turn into a war, who knows? Guys are swapping. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's crazy. Who knows? Yeah, I think I'd shit my pants if I was there against you guys. But um, I would love it. I mean, it depends on what side of the spectrum you're on, right? Definitely, yeah. It's all mental, right? If you're ready, then you're okay. If um, if you could have any job in the world, what would you pick? I'm doing what I'm doing, and it's. I love what I'm doing right now, to be honest. That's, that's, what, I meant, that's what I was meant to do, and it's not over yet, right? There's a lot of things that are to come. Crazy enterprises is happening. It's on the move, so yeah, it's going to be a that's, good time. Good ride, that's, buddy. That's a good answer. That's a good answer, and that's a positive outlook, too. So um, this last one's for you, uh, because uh, you, you used to have a, a pretty nice mullet out there. Um, so uh, would you rather be bald? Or have a huge mullet for the rest of your life, which you uh, you can't cut. So all family photos, oh. big mullet. Well, but if I were to send you a picture right now, she's growing in mint. Like the hair is pretty solid. Nice. The old the old girl wants me to go as the Joker this Halloween. So kids going for the Jay Leto look. I'm gonna slick slick her back right nice and paint her green, and she's gonna I'm gonna be the best Joker the world ever seen. But yeah, it's. I mean, I would have flow, obviously. I, who wants to be bald? Like, the people who are bald, they don't choose to be bald, right? Like, it just happens to them, and then they have to try and make it happen, right? 
Oh, it's, for sure. Uh, you know, it just it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. I have a thick head of hair. I'm going to keep growing my flow. You know, <laughs> yeah, you got thick, you know. you got thick flow. The girl will blow, okay? You got, you got, she goes, bud. <laughs> she goes, bud, all right? Let me tell you. So, um, no, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It's, uh, it's honestly uh, great to have you on. And uh, obviously, I'm hoping to see that mullet for Halloween. So, obviously, uh, it, uh, I'll be checking you out on Facebook. Um, but is there anything else that you'd like to add or uh, any funny story that uh, you'd like to share? Yeah, well, hit the kid up on Instagram at, at freeze. Fifty five ninety four. Yeah, I don't know. I told y'all pretty much those stories. Uh, well, one time in Danville. Have you ever been to Sarge's Bar? I have not. Sarge's Bar in Danville, Illinois. No. I'm gonna have to check uh, that out. Well, it's it's a redneck place. Let me tell you that. So one game, we're playing there. My second year? No, uh, I can't remember which year it was. Second or third year? No, I, it was my rookie year. It was my first year. And we're playing there, and our first game, me and Art Campbell, and Chiki played the American League most of the three, and then came down and played when he was like 39, 40 to us. Biggest beauty, he was our captain. He came down, and we both got Shasky game one in, in Danville. We played a doubleheader Saturday night. Okay, and uh, so we get suspended. Like, literally, how was it for Spider was so fucked? Like, I was just the second guy to brawl, so they called me, like, automatically chesty. And then Soupy opened, he had his hockey stick like a gun, you know what I mean? He had the blade. Yeah. He was holding on to the blade like a gun, you know what I mean? Like the blade of a stick. No, for sure. I, I, I can picture it for sure. And he spears a guy in the face. And the guy goes in the net, and then everybody on the ice shit for shit. And so I was like, the guy's got to go in and they, whatever. Like, it was a fucking mayhem. It was instantly mayhem. Like, so Liam were Susky the next day. Soupy's like, I'm going to take you out, Frey. She's from Moss. He's like, hey, listen. He's like, Frey, don't worry. I got you. I'm going to take you out, all right? I said, Soupy, let's do it. So he comes and picks me up at the hotel. The boys are going to the rink, and Soupy's picking me up. He's like, don't worry. We'll be there, fault. He takes me out. We go to Buffalo Wild Wings. We eat, we have some drinks. Next thing you know, I'm like, hey, Super, we're going to go to the game. He's like, ah, fuck it, Fraser. We're just going to go have a couple pints at this place here. So we go have a pint. At the, well, it wasn't a pint. It was like Red Bulls and Godchas or something, like crazy. Yeah. The boys were right pickled, okay? We got right pickled to the Sarge's Bar in Danville, Illinois. Sarge's Bar. You boys are just in the biggest redneck bar. Like, there's Confederate flags in there. Like, I'm telling you, it was a pretty crazy bar. And Espo calls me, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Here we go. I answer the phone, and he's just screaming, where the fuck are you, you fucking idiot? Where the fuck are you? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Shoot you, guys. Tell him we're at the second row. And I tell him, I'm, I'm at the second row. I'm at the fucking second row. You're not at the fucking second row. He's freaking <laughs> out at us. Oh, fuck. And then I give it to Stoopy, and he, him, and Stoopy are in the end, And, oh, fuck. Then we go back again. The boys win. And Espo was just leaning into me, and we we're yelling at each other, and oh fuck, it was, it was intense. It was hilarious, but it was intense. Yeah, was, right. uh, yeah good story. Yeah, good story now. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was pretty, it was a funny one for sure. I'm surprised I didn't get caught, but um, honestly, he, if it was anywhere else, I would have been gone. But I was, I was lucky for sure. But at the end of the day, Espo was, he was a bit of a head case, so like, 
feel like he deserved that one a bit. Yeah, well, <laughs> there, there you go. Taste of his own medicine, I guess. Um, so, anyways, yeah, no, thanks a lot for coming on, then, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we, we can uh, get you on again uh, at a later date. And uh, yeah, anyways, gotcha. uh, take care, okay, and uh, let's do it again there soon. <laughs>